Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Welcome back to episode 64 of the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined not only by Matt Collins of Over the Monster, but we have our first special guest, Jen McCaffrey of Mass Live, is joining us. She is from. Uh, she is in Fort Myers. I should shouldn't say she's from Fort Myers, but she's there, uh, and she's going to give us some spring training updates. So welcome back to the show, Jen. Hi guys, thanks so much. Uh, Matt, how are you today? Oh, wonderful as always. Excellent. So uh, Jen, we'd be remiss if we didn't lead off with the thing that everybody has been talking about this entire off season, which is JD Martinez. Um, what is your sense on this situation right now? I know it's one that's sort of not doing anything at the moment, but is Arizona a legitimate contender? And do you think the Red Sox are getting anxious here? Yeah, we talked to Dombrowski uh, this week. Uh, I think it was uh, a couple yesterday, maybe the days are all running together. It does seem like I am from Fort Myers because I've only been here. What three days and I feel like I live here already. But um, yeah, Dombrowski, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, it's really hard to read at this point. Uh, you know, I think it was Alex Spear who had the report a couple days ago uh, that um, the, the, the offer uh, seems to be closer to $100 million than 125 which was originally ported over five years. But it, it does seem like that that's what they're sticking with and they're not budging, not, you know, bidding against themselves. We try, you know, obviously to ask, Dombrowski, um, you know, uh, about, you know, talking around things and he won't give specifics, but try to get a feel for, for, you know, how he's handling it. And and then he just kind of plays it straight down the middle. Um, so I, I don't, I don't think that they're necessarily getting anxious. I actually honestly, uh, believe that Dombrowski 
feels that this team, um, with the guys that are coming back and healthy, um, that they can be a, a very good offense. And just last year, you know, things kind of fell apart. Um, so I, honestly, I think that they're going to stick with that five and one hundred, and uh, and that Martinez might be the one that's getting anxious and and kind of wanting to figure things out. Now, obviously, like you mentioned, Arizona. Um, I'm not sure if they're a legitimate contender just because they have to move around so much money Mm -hmm. uh, in order to make that fit. And and maybe they're willing to kind of bite the bullet. Um, I know, obviously, J.D.'s hitting coach um, that he's always had is there. um, And, you know, that he obviously has a a little bit of familiarity there, having played there uh, at the end of last season. So um, it's it's kind of it just kind of seems it could go either way in my mind at this point you know earlier in the season I I had no doubt that he would be in Boston and now it kind of feels um a little bit up in the air uh or a lot more up in the air so I I, honestly I wish I could give you a a straighter answer but it just sort of seems like we're we're playing a day-to-day at this point yeah, it's definitely been an odd situation. I wonder if this, in your mind, has more to do with the player, there, there being an issue with the player, or whether this has to do with the ridiculously slow market that we've seen this offseason. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, I think it has a little bit to do with both. I mean, obviously, Martinez wants what he wants, and he's not budging. He wants the six years and more money. And, the you know, there's no one else that's willing to give him that money and the Red Sox are not going to bid against themselves. So it's kind of this push and pull. And, of course, Martinez has Scott Boris as his agent, who's notoriously difficult to and, and tough to handle. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of been, you know, it, the market's been slow for everyone. But I'm, I wonder if this was sort of a unique situation and just in general where, um, you know, this might have happened anyway. Um so, yeah, we I mean, we we asked uh, Dombrowski if, if there was like a cutoff point this spring when he would want to have like a roster complete mm-hmm. um, just so. So basically, so Cora would know who he's going to have in his lineup. And he, you know, he kind of obviously talked around that and said, you know, I've made a lot of moves in spring training before. None, you know, none. Uh, in ex- none, none extremely large, but I've still made spring training moves and, and kept talking about how the spring training is different than any of the 40 previous spring trainings. So he kind of just, um, as he does, you know, tried to talk around it and not give too many specifics and, and that kind of thing. But um, yeah, this this just is a, a weird situation. And you would think that you'd want a guy uh, to be meshed into the group during spring training and not just, you know, sign that final week or whatever it is and then get thrown into the lineup because that seems like it would mess up the chemistry or, or at least, you know, be kind of a weird situation for guys. Um, and just weird for, for Martinez to kind of be like in this tug of war with the team and then finally relent maybe and, and what kind of, I don't know, uh, feelings might he have. So it's just a weird, weird situation. Yeah, definitely bizarre. Um, I wonder if um, your sense is that if they don't make this move, that they'll still go after other free agents who are out there. So a few of the guys that we've talked about on the show are uh, Eduardo Nunez and uh, Tony Watson as potential targets for the Red Sox. They seem to make a lot of sense. But we haven't really heard a lot of chatter about it. There was a rumor that Watson was connected to the team. But is your sense that if they don't sign Martinez, that they're totally okay with standing pat? 
I don't know if they're totally okay with standing pat. And again, I don't know if this is just sort of um, Dombrowski kind of trying to, you know, uh, leverage a situation. But he talked a lot more yesterday about trade rumors um, being uh, a lot more of a, a thing this this spring um, than in years past. And, and teams, because of the, the market not wanting to, you know, move one way or another, teams are looking to just trade guys. And he's fielded four or five phone calls a day and, um, again, we don't really know how much of this is true or if, and he, he said that this is like, uh, trades involving players of prominence. So, um, they could, yeah, I feel like out of those two guys, uh, you know, if they're trying to add offense, obviously Nunez, um, would be the, the, the way to go there. Um, you kind of have a lot of guys in that middle infield mix, but Nunez seemed to fit well here last year. So, um, and, and, you know, he's been tied to the, to the Red Sox semi recently, at least I think a few weeks ago, Chad Jennings from the, the Herald wrote that he's still been in contact, um, with the, with the Sox. So, um, yeah, I mean, of those two guys, I, I feel like Nunez might be more of a target, but then again, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Dombrowski pulls some weird, you know, trade, uh, that, that brings in a, a, a bat, um, this spring in the next few weeks. Um, I should just say, literally like two or three minutes ago, Ian Brown just said that they're gaining more momentum towards Nunez. So, okay. Oh, okay. Didn't even that's see worth that. Noting. So. Yeah. Good to know. Uh, I actually had a question about the market in general. Uh, there's obviously been some tension between the players and the league. Have any Red Sox players uh, said anything or spoken up about that at all? Not pretty much most most of them have sort of played it down the middle. We've asked a lot of guys about, you know, free agency. We asked uh, Chris Sale the other day and he was kind of, you know, saying it's an unfortunate situation, but he's not kind of, you know, involved in it. So he feels for the guys. But, you know, he wasn't saying too much. We talked we talked to Price the other day on a big group session and he. Um, you know, and the question was posed to him about his opt out and, you know, knowing that the, the, the market is the way it is this off season, what that might mean for next off season. And if that's more incentive for him to stay in Boston and, um, you know, he said he hasn't thought about it, needs to talk to his agent, but like that, he, you know, would want, can see himself staying in Boston. Didn't really talk too, too much about the market. Um, so guys aren't really, there's not too many guys on this team that are, you know, the, you could say Price is probably the most controversial outspoken, but even he wasn't really one to say, you know, this is ridiculous and they need to treat us better. None of them have really said that. They've kind of just all said it's a tough situation and, and you know, we we kind of feel bad for the for the guys that are dealing with it. Mitch Moreland, when we talked to him the other day, was saying that he he's glad he signed, you know, when he did with the with the Red Sox because if he felt if he waited, you know, longer, it might not have, you know, worked in his favor. So, um, yeah, none of the guys have taken any, like, controversial stances. Okay. Yeah, it seems like uh, Chris Sale might be doing his media training with the Patriots these days. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> um, so we have to ask you because every year when we have um, media guys and girls on from um, Fort Myers, typically their accommodations have something wrong with them. And the Projo guys were notorious for this, whether it's water not running or anything like that. So how are your accommodations so far? In Fort Myers, so so far so good. Uh, last year, uh, our we had a, a condo, uh, an Airbnb that actually wasn't too bad. It was in Cape Coral, so that was that was kind of uh, a little bit of a hike. Uh, it was like 45 minutes every morning. 
Um, but today or this year, we're uh, in uh, there's a courtyard um, that uh, Marriott that's uh, not too far from the park. So it's actually hasn't been hasn't been too bad. So knock on wood that nothing crazy happens. But um, it's even got a Starbucks in here, so that keeps me happy. Oh, there you go. Got the coffee <laughs> in the morning. You're all set. Um, so we have to ask about Blake Swihart because he is uh, certainly one of my favorite players. I disagree with how the Red Sox have handled him. I think a lot of people do. But I wanted to get your sense as to what his role is going to be on this team. He's obviously out of options. Uh, are they really going to try him at second base? Do you think that he's going to catch it all? I mean, is Leon going to get traded? There's a whole lot of stuff up in the air right now with Blake Swihart. It seems like he's finally healthy, but what's your sense on what's going on with him? I see him, yeah. So he he's come into camp. He's been, you know, catching uh, a lot of the bullpens, and I, I kind of see him being that backup catch. I don't know that Sandy uh, will be traded. Um, I'm, I think that they kind of like to have that uh, solid backup because you know Swihart's great, but uh, still doesn't have you know as much experience um, necessarily as as Sandy does back there. You know, you have Vasquez would be your number one guy, Sandy kind of right behind him or, you know, splitting times semi uh, like they did last year. And then I feel like, you know, when you want to give those guys a day off or something, you would throw in Swihart. But I, he's been taking a lot of reps. Cora told him, you know, just take reps at any infield spot. It's just to kind of get, um, get acclimated again to, to the infield. Of course, we all know that before he started catching, he was a shortstop um, in high school. Um, so I see him more on kind of um, that side of the, the infield and maybe not necessarily at second. They seem to have a, a ton of guys that can kind of fill in at second um, utility wise, but maybe even, uh, you know, short or third um, just to kind of would be where he'd be more comfortable. I could even honestly see him getting time at first. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm not too sure that they would. They've said that they might try him again in the outfield, but I'm not sure. I think that they would stick more with him um, in, in that kind of uh, on, on the left side of the infield and, and see what they can get out of him there. But I really honestly think it's going to they're going to like base a lot of this on how comfortable he looks, you know, at, at those positions this spring like that. This is kind of. I, I think, obviously, since he's out of options, he'll be around. But I, I, I think they're going to figure out what position he's best suited for by putting him in games and kind of playing him, you know, uh, seeing where, where he fits most comfortable. So, um, yeah, that'll be interesting to watch, see how he handles that and, and kind of plays this weird utility role where he's catching and also playing, um, you know, the infield as, as his backup guy. Uh, so I think they really want to find a spot for him on the roster. It's just kind of a matter of how consistent is playing time going to be and, and kind of how he can handle all that. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to watch. It seems like they've got a glut of guys that could potentially be uh, on the bench for them this year. There's Brock Holt who could potentially be back with the team. I mean, he's he's back right now. He's at spring training. But what's your sense of how the bench is actually going to end up shaking out here? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like so like we said we had Swihart, then you have Holt who uh, you know, is uh, it, it seems like he'll be around. He, he seems really uh he seems in great shape um this uh this spring. He seems seems like he's bulked up a little bit, which we haven't really seen a kind of a a uh, more muscular, I guess, uh a Brock Holt, which is kind of interesting. Um but I guess it proves that he's he's healthy now. Um still obviously got Devin Marrero, Zue Lynn, uh, Marco Hernandez. 
Uh, Hernandez has options, so, I mean, there's flexibility there where you can kind of start him in Pawtucket, and I would assume that Lynn would too. Um, so, you know, if you go with maybe uh, Marrero and Holt and then and then Swihart, um, I haven't really, like, written everything down to see how the numbers uh, would work out. Um, but I, I feel like that's that's kind of the those the th- those three guys are, are the main I guess backups uh, infield backups and Holt obviously can do outfield too. Um, so that that's kind of what it feels like in these early days of camp. But uh, again, we'll kind of have to see how things play out with, uh, of course, injuries that might crop up or, or whatnot. Yeah, definitely. Um, how has um... The outfield situation looked so obviously the the starting three outfielders are, are set there but has Bryce Brents arrived at camp yet and um, do you think that the team's comfortable going forward with him as the fourth outfielder next year I haven't seen Bryce yet um, I haven't we've been focusing mainly obviously because it was pitchers and catchers reported a couple days ago so we've ma- mainly focusing on catching up with a lot of the, that side of things I, I haven't seen Bryce um, but it, it, he might be here um, there's about 60 guys, it feels like, and half of them are the guys that you never see. So you're trying to, uh, figure out who's who, but, um, yeah, I haven't seen Bryce, um, yet, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's their plan is that he's going to be their, their fourth outfielder, um, and, you know, play those, those, uh, corner spots and then kind of switch in Ben and into center when Jackie needs a day off. Um, so he, yeah, Bryce isn't necessarily going to be that center field guy, but, uh, uh, you know, he hit the 30 homers last year in AAA. I don't know how that'll, you know, um, translate at the major league level. Um, but it seems that that's, you know, uh, what they're going with right now. And, you know, haven't seen, like I said, I haven't seen him. So I haven't, I haven't seen uh, how he's, how he appears or kind of him, him hitting yet. Um, but uh, that's, that's the plan that they kind of have laid out so far. Um, have you, seen tyler thornberg um and is he throwing on a normal program yet yeah actually just uh wrote a short thing about him today um he isn't on a normal program yet he was that he's he's not throwing off a mound he's just kind of throwing on flat flat ground and playing catch um so they're kind of building him up slowly i think when we met with him at the red sox winter weekend he said that uh once he got here to camp which i think was maybe a couple weeks ago that he was just going to be sort of throwing and then kind of progressing out to that 120, 150 um, uh, mark and then be evaluated. Um, so, so far, so good um, in that sense. We, I saw him doing, he, he, so he's not, you know, throwing off the mound or anything, but uh, I was kind of following a bunch of the relievers around camp today with taking a video and he was in that group um, with those guys, but doing uh, the PFB drills. So he was kind of taking comebackers to the mound and, and doing that kind of stuff. Um, so he's moving around and kind of with the guys, not, you know, on the, the thrown off a mound yet. But, um, yeah, Cora actually kind of just brought up that he was impressed with even just watching Thornburg uh, play catch. And he said that he kind of um, was impressed with just the conviction that he had in playing catch. So I don't know if he meant just because it seems that Thornburg's excited to get back out there, um, that he's kind of uh, kind of – rearing a go type thing um but yeah so he hasn't we don't know his throwing schedule just yet but it does seem like things are progressing in the right direction for thornburg does it seem like it's their plan to have him for opening day or is that just not been decided that, 
Yeah, I mean, that's been the loose plan. I don't think they want to set an exact timetable because really until he starts throwing off the mound and then kind of has that next day and see how he feels and then goes back and how's the next one feel, I don't think they want to set an exact date to be to say he's going to be ready for opening day because I think they, they don't know necessarily how he's going to react once, you know, because he, he hasn't pitched in nine months or ten months or whatever it is since the thoracic outlet syndrome surgery. So... Um, I think they just want to see how he yeah, bounces back from these outings. And then obviously once he gets into games, um, so it's, it's going to be, I think when we talked to him at the winter weekend, um, and I, I'd asked him what he normally throws in spring training. He said usually like five or six bullpens and then in gets into like four or five games. So I'm not sure, you know, he said he's not really sure um, how many he'll be able to fit in this spring. Um, but I guess that we can use that as like a loose guide. So the goal is to get him as close to opening day as possible. But again, we'll see once he starts to get going, how he bounces back from, from the workload. Um, obviously Thornberg's not really part of this, but as far as the setup guy behind Kimbrell, um, is there any early favorite? Is it Carson Smith? Like most people think, or uh, do you think Matt Barnes and Joe Kelly have a better chance than they're getting credit for? Um, you know, I still, if I had to put money on it right now, I'd still go with Carson. I mean, I saw, um, like I said, I was with the, some of the relievers today and I saw him throwing and it, he looked, you know, pretty sharp. Um, and even, uh, talked to him afterwards and he said, he's, you know, excited that he's finally healthy and, um, he'd already thrown five or six bullpens. So he's, he's raring to go. Um, so he looks, uh, like he probably has that, that if, if camp ended today, even though it just started, <laughs> like, uh, he could, he would be that guy. Um, but, you know, uh, Kelly, we'll see how kind of Kelly uh, evens things out over spring. And, and I feel like Kelly and Barnes will be sort of that middle middle relief type uh, seventh inning-ish guy that we've seen them. Um, but, uh, yeah, at, at the very early stage, it looks like Carson um, will, be, will be that guy. But, you know, again, who knows if, if someone could win it over by the end of spring. Okay. Um, I want to get back to the catching position a little bit. Uh, Vasquez has said a couple interesting things this offseason, and one of them is that he would like to catch more, and that's not surprising considering you know, he's healthy and he had a pretty good season last year. But what is your sense that uh, around the team, do, do you think that he's going to be able to catch 120 games like he seems to want to, or do you think that they're going to be um, more into what they did last year with splitting time with him and Leon? I could see Vasquez being kind of more of that main guy and taking on more of a role. Um, when we talked to Cora the other day and asked him asked him about that, uh, he wouldn't commit one way or another. And I, it was probably because it was like his very first day and he didn't want to, you know, <laughs> give pigeonhole guys into roles just yet. Um, but, I, I, you know, I could see Vasquez kind of being that main guy and uh, Leon kind of coming in maybe once, once or twice a week. So it's sort of a tooth two-thirds, one-third-ish, um, or even maybe a little bit more for, for Vasquez. Um, so, yeah, Cora wouldn't – Cora just said he wants to have the – you know, he's happy to have two solid catchers and Swihart, you know, as, as backing them up. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Vasquez seems ready. I mean, obviously he was great last year, and the bat, you know, was sort of a surprise too. Um, so – he, he seems ready. You know, the arm, obviously, that he has is phenomenal. Um, and just kind of his, his mindset and, and 
kind of how he calls the game has always impressed the team. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if sort of in the next few weeks, if he emerges more as, you know, a true number one. Um, But, you know, I think that they appreciate the luxury they have in having two pretty solid catchers. And again, a, a third one that's, you know, right there. Yeah, it's definitely an enviable catcher catcher uh, position right now for the team. Um, in terms of uh, best shape of their life candidates, have you seen anybody? It seems like Holt might be in that discussion at this point. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of uh, interesting. It was kind of like surprising to see this like uh, bulked up Brock Holt. It was kind of almost like what Ben Intendi came to camp last year. Um, but uh, Devers seems kind of to lost to have lost a little bit of the baby fat that he maybe had last year. He seems a little bit uh, trimmer. Um, we haven't um, Hanley's not here yet, and Pedroia's not here yet. So um, not you know not all the guys or the position players don't have to report. Full squad isn't for another couple days. So um, we uh, we haven't seen everybody yet. But yeah. Um, it was just sort of surprising to see Holt uh, kind of having put on a little bit of weight and, and um, yeah, seeming seemingly stronger and, you know, for him, hopefully, you know, a healthier year. So you think we could pencil him in for 30 dingers? Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. I know he was joking around with some guys about, you know, hitting how many home runs he'll hit today when they were taking live BP. So we'll, uh, we'll see what he can what he can put out. Yeah, we've been killing him a little bit on the pod this offseason because of the inconsistencies. So I wonder if he's been listening and just angrily lifting weights. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely all because of us. I hope so. <laughs> um, so we have to ask you about non-roster invites because I know those are probably the most exciting uh, players for you to talk about. But uh, who is the most exciting non-roster invite? Who are you pumped to see? Um, kind of, you know, who have you seen so far? Yeah, um, again, like I was saying, a lot of those guys are kind of floating around. But one of the guys that, that kind of uh, sticks out that we've heard a lot about is, is Bobby Pointer. Um, is, uh, you know, a, a reliever that's going to be um, – I can see him – honestly, if anybody that, you know, of this group, uh, he seems kind of the most promising and, and likely to kind of uh, help out at some point. Um, he's just – he had a he had a good season last year. He uh, – he, uh, is like highly regarded uh, by the team just in terms of, you know, the stuff that he's been able to kind of put together. Uh, I can't, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head of what he did last year, but um, I know that it was a pretty, we, we talked to uh, uh, Ben Crockett, the director of player development um, at the rookie camp a couple at the beginning of January and pointer came up and uh, he was just saying how uh, impressed he was with just sort of how, how Bobby pointer handled last year and kind of taking a step forward um so that seems to be a guy that i kind of want to keep on keep an eye on and um i haven't i hadn't before before this camp i hadn't seen too much of uh jeremy barfield i know he was in Pawtucket last year but he's massive uh he's like six five i was like who is this guy and then i was like oh this must be barfield um because i knew i saw him with the, the the uh outfield trio a few days ago um, but he's a, he, he's a, he looks like a force, you know, he's about a foot taller than everybody else. And, uh, you know, it seems like he could be, um, a really solid player. You know, he has a pretty interesting story of being kind of an indie ball, I guess, in the beginning of last year and then kind of getting noticed and, and, uh, doing really well with Pawtucket last year. So he seems like a, a pretty interesting guy. 
Um, yeah, I haven't seen Ruzne yet. Uh, so uh, Ruzne Castillo. Um, so again, his the saga with him kind of continues of of um, kind of see, seeing what they can do with him. Um, but I, I'm I'm not sure. You know, I know he was in winter ball um, and and did well there. But um, yeah, some of those guys um, can kind of jump out and, and surprise you. I mean, Chavis is, has uh, been around a little bit and, and is super eager to kind of uh, contribute. Um, I don't, he might be, you know, uh, he's one of, I guess, one of the more high profile guys uh, there. And it's obviously his first big league camp. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what he can do and, and uh, kind of how he meshes in and, and how he kind of stands out. Um, but yeah, some of those guys, um, those are some of the guys that I guess I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on. Uh, any chance you think Barfield actually gets to play a meaningful time with the team this year? That's a good question, yeah, because, I mean, like, I honestly hadn't thought about it until, you know, I, I got to camp, and I was like, I mean, this guy looks like a really solid player, and I knew, like, I had read a lot about him last year. I didn't have time to see him play last year, um, but I knew of him, and I knew he had been a, a good player. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's a chance. Um, just, uh, you know, like, like, you know, we always go back to injuries crop up, you know, guys kind of find their way here and there. If he's doing well, um, I don't see why not um, that they couldn't, you know, figure out a way to make room. Um, maybe the Bryce Brent stuff doesn't end up working out and there's, you know, a hole that they can kind of fill there. So, I mean, we'll see how things play out. But, um, yeah, um, it, it seems like he's he's got an interesting story and obviously he's probably got a chip on his shoulder to kind of prove that he, uh, you know, where he came from and all that. So, um, we'll kind of see how that plays out. Do you think Brock Holt could take him in an arm wrestling match right now? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's like probably like a foot and a half taller than Brock Holt, but uh, he like seriously looks like a like a football player. <laughs> it's kind of funny to see him like walking around the clubhouse because most of these guys are you know five nine, five ten, six feet. Yeah, um, he must tower over Mookie. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. He like, he was running with Mookie and Benintendi, and it was just the funniest, yeah, juxtaposition. So look, he looks more like a pitcher than a than an outfielder. But yeah, is Benny as jacked as everybody's saying? So he that's an, another interest. He looks like uh, he's just put on a little bit more weight, not necessarily muscle. Um, but again, I know last year um, he's talked about kind of he's had trouble keeping on weight throughout like a, a baseball season so I know uh last year he came into camp like Jack like like we're saying that Brock is um this year he seems a little bit just more uh like heavier uh weight wise but I I'm wondering if it's um because he lost a lot of weight last year throughout the season he always has a hard time kind of keeping keeping the weight on um but, uh, yeah, I mean, he still looks in, in good shape. And, you know, I don't know that he's been, you know, lifting the chains or whatever he did last year. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, he, he seems to be uh, kind of in, right where he was, I guess, pretty much last year at this point. All right. Um, the Red Sox just signed Nunez. Oh, wow. According to Robert Murray. <laughs> so. Breaking news. Good time yeah. to do a podcast. I'll get an editor, a text from my editor shortly. So. There you go. Um, so, Jen, before we let you go today, we really need to ask about Chris Sale's throwing program. Um, he gave an interview about it. It was a little bit cryptic. Again, it was very Patriots-like. Um, there was some debate as to you know how much it sounds like he's actually buying into this. One thing it seems like we have uh, seen from Chris Sale is that this guy is 1,000% all the time. 
and getting him to kind of peel back a little bit on that seems like it might be an impossible task. So what's your sense on the new throwing program and sort of getting him to try and be stronger later in the season? Yeah, I think that's exactly going to be uh, that's going to be the the challenge. I think what um, I think what the I guess the benefit for him or kind of the plan for him. No, I think they all obviously they all know that that's how he is and kind of they set the plan up in the sense that they're not going to be um, limiting his you know pitch count or innings in season. It's more about the ramp up um, this spring and kind of um, how they handle just spring training last year he talked a lot about and we we kind of knew this and we even saw this in his first spring training start last year he hit 97 in the first inning wow. and it was like what is going on um <laughs> we were in uh i think they were playing the nationals in west palm beach and we had all traveled out there and then he hit like 97 consistently on the radar and we were like this is nuts um so Knowing that, um, he he talked a lot about kind of how he came up, like came in way too like amped up and was like in midseason form by the beginning of spring training because he wanted to prove, you know, the first he had just gotten traded, first time with a new team, obviously, you know, um, from the area with the FGCU and kind of all these emotions that went into it. He was um, didn't maybe handle his uh, adrenaline too much uh, last year and kind of just wore himself out by mid-season um, and then was trying to, you know, um, get through the end of the year. So the plan, um, and again, didn't really give many details. Like you said, it was a little cryptic, but um, in my mind, they're just kind of going to um, pull him back more in spring training when it obviously doesn't matter as much. Um, and so that he's kind of, you know, they're kind of in that slingshot mode and they can kind of let go on that slingshot on, on opening day. Um, and, and then he can kind of, you know, go from there, whereas he's not going to be throwing 97 in his first start um, this year. And, and maybe they'll limit the innings or the outings um, in spring and kind of just the in-between days and that kind of thing. That's what it that's what it sounds like to me. Um, and again, you know, in season, he talked about not um, wasting pitches a lot of last year. You know, a lot of the strikeouts. Um, that he got, uh, you know, he was infamous for having those huge, you know, swing and miss numbers. Um, but a lot of that came because he would try to trick guys into, you know, swinging at pitches that he, they weren't expecting him to, to throw. And, and he was kind of trying to strike everybody out. I don't know if we'll, he will see the same strikeout numbers because uh, he's going to be trying to eliminate some of those those waste pitches that he called it. Um, so that might be a little bit of a change. Maybe he'll be pitching a little bit more to contact. I don't think it'll be anything too drastic, um, but I can see that kind of being a minor thing that he adjusts uh, in season to kind of eliminate maybe even five or six pitches, uh, you know, a game that could add up. So I think it's I think that's kind of what the 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 rough plan is from hearing him talk the other day and just um, you know kind of holding himself back and, and he's a lot more comfortable this year and doesn't, you know, feel the need to prove himself. Um, and, you know, uh, just wants to, doesn't want to be, um, worn out by the end of the year. And I think he has that in the back of his mind now. Um, so I think it, while he is that crazy competitor, I think he doesn't want to get to where he was last year and that'll kind of keep him at bay. Yeah. Well, we hope it works, and we hope that he is uh, sharp for September and October, because that's when we're going to need him for sure. 
Um, so thanks so much, Jen, for joining us today. We really appreciate you coming on. Um, if you did enjoy Jen on the podcast today, um, please check out her work. Uh, she writes at Mass Live, and you can find her on Twitter at JC McCaffrey. Um, and uh, she is very good at answering Twitter questions, too. So I can definitely vouch for that. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. So you have just listened to the segment of the podcast with Jen McCaffrey. Uh, thanks again to Jen for joining us, but now you are back with me and Matt Collins um, to talk about Eduardo Nunez, who signed while we were actually doing the podcast with Jen. Um, the signing is not official, however, um, it does seem like that it is going to happen pending a physical, but Matt, you have written about this already uh, because you were writing while we were podcasting, which is pretty epic. <laughs> we didn't have to reveal that, but okay. <laughs> and... Uh, but either way, it's it's not exactly a slam dunk here, is it? Uh, as far as the physical? Yes. No, at least not. I mean, definitely not compared to your typical physical after a uh, free agent signing. Obviously, I think most of us remember Nunez literally being carried off the field in the right at the beginning of game one in the ALDS. Uh, that knee injury was pretty gruesome, and they miscalculated it once or twice towards the end of the year so there's a chance that's still affecting him that being said uh peter abraham of the globe said that they had been kind of watching him work out a little bit and scouting him in the dominican over the winter so hopefully that goes smoothly and this will be official in a few days yeah this is awesome news if he is healthy and he does sign the deal uh it seems like it is going to be a one-year contract which is kind of that show me contract that we were hoping for all off season it seemed to make a lot of sense uh for both sides i am a little surprised that you know when the details do come out if it is only one year that no other team was willing to take this chance on him he might just have chosen the red Sox because he liked it so much here it might be um there's an option for a second year although we don't know what kind of option that is so uh, that is worth noting, but I think I wouldn't be surprised if he preferred to stay in Boston, and I don't think he turned down a huge deal to stay here or anything, but mm-hmm. he played really well last year. The park seemed really well suited for him. The AL East is full of good hitters' parks, so if he was going to go do a prove-it type contract, it would be best to go to a place you're familiar and a place where you've already succeeded like this. Well, all of a sudden, the lineup looks like it has fewer holes. And, you know, we don't know whether or not JD is still going to sign. It could be a potential that that's going to happen, too. Um, But right now, I mean, Eduardo Nunez being there rather than any of the guys we talked about earlier in the show, whether that's Brock Holt, Devin Marrero, um, any of those guys, even Swihart, I think this is pretty ideal. Yeah. um, All of a sudden, this lineup looks a lot deeper. I just opened up roster resource, which is where I usually go to look at the lineup. And they already have Nunez in there. And just having him slotted into that lineup, all of a sudden you have, they have Devers hitting seventh, Vasquez hitting eighth, Bradley hitting ninth. I'd probably swap that around a little bit, but either way, uh, your worst hitter is probably going to be Christian Vasquez. And if he's, anything close to what he was last year that's a really deep lineup and then you think about the possibility of adding jd martinez to that and 
it's exciting. Um, Nunez is not a perfect player. His defense leaves a lot to be desired. There are issues here, but offensively, it's it's a lot better. Yeah, that's for sure. It's interesting that uh, roster resource slotted him in at the second spot there. Do you think that he's going to hit no. towards the top, or you think he's going to be more towards the bottom of the lineup? I would guess. I, I He's definitely not hitting second. Yeah, um, I don't think so. Alex Carr has made a point of saying that every lineup he's thrown together has bets first, Benintendi second, so I don't think they're going to deviate from that. It wouldn't totally shock me if he hit third um depending on what they think of bogarts and what they think of ramirez and obviously uh if martinez signs but if i was making the lineup i'd probably have him in the bottom half around sixth probably Mm -hmm. yeah i could see him hitting there yeah that makes a lot of sense He's just a nice little player, though. You mentioned the fit with Fenway. Um, he's just – he's awesome. He's got a little bit more pop than I thought he was going to have. He's good on the bases. Uh, it's it's going to be awesome to have him back. He's He was one of the most fun players to watch last year by far. Yeah, he's – I mean, just – he's my favorite kind of player. I don't think he's – I mean, he's not as good as he was with the Red Sox last year. He was bananas. But he's just a lot of fun. He's – really fast he's really aggressive on the bases he doesn't strike out he's doesn't walk he's gonna put the ball in play all the time um and he was i mean i don't know how much you buy into this kind of thing but he was a legitimate spark plug last year the team was not playing well when they traded for him and nunez and devers kind of came at the same time and that totally changed the season and it's not like nunez is going to single-handedly carry a team at any point, but just his presence kind of seemed to change things in the lineup. So uh, he was just really easy to root for, for sure. Yeah, he seems like a high-character, good clubhouse guy, and every report when he was coming over uh, from the Giants in that trade kept mentioning his presence in the clubhouse as well. So I think that's definitely a big reason why they bring him back. They want to create a positive environment here, and you know, it has been leaking out a little bit more recently that the clubhouse wasn't optimal at all times last year. So if he can contribute to a good environment there, especially with Cora in to kind of change that atmosphere, um, this could be a really positive thing for the club. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I'm interested to see what happens next. Not even as far as Martinez. We can get into that in a minute, but... um just as far as what this means for the roster because honestly i mean this just happened i haven't looked at it too too much but somebody's getting squeezed out someone decent too well so they have to make room on the 40 man and my guess would be if there's not a trade coming i would assume it's going to be devin marrero or williams jerez will be designated for assignment. I don't know if they want to clear a pitcher off right now, but I think Jerez is pretty clearly the weakest link on the roster at this point. Yeah, I'm totally with you, especially with the emergence of Bobby Pointer and uh, Robbie Scott. They tend to like him a lot. I don't think Jerez is is going to realistically be an option for this team at any point this year. Yeah, and I think it, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he would be able to be snuck through waivers and 
Um, I don't know if he can. He might be able to become a free agent um, because I know that's why they put him on the 40-man in the first place. But at this point in the game, he might not even do that. He might just stick with the Red Sox anyway. So yeah, we'll see. Either way, I mean, there's going to be somebody taken off the bench too. Yeah, Jerez is old. He's almost 26. Yeah, he's uh, he was drafted as an outfielder, so he's kind of behind the game. He's gone through the system fairly quickly as a pitcher, but he didn't start pitching until, I don't know, he was like 22 or something. So he's kind of like Jeremy Barfield in that sense, just the reverse. To me, that what this indicates, though, is that there was probably something they didn't like about Marco Hernandez's recovery, and that's complete conjecture for me, but I would guess that they looked at Marco Hernandez and just thought, maybe we don't want to roll the dice going into the season with this, and if they could sign Eduardo Nunez at a reduced rate, why not do that? Um, because the shoulder surgery that Marco Hernandez had was not a small procedure. Yeah, I... Uh... I would agree. I think I was personally kind of overestimating how easy it was going to be for him to come back and slide right in an opening day. Um, so I would definitely agree that he played a big role. I think the market in general did too. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing at the start of the offseason, they didn't think they were going to get Nunez on a one-year deal that's presumably going to be pretty cheap. Um, I mean, even just looking at Todd Frazier got, what, two for 17? Mm-hmm. And I think Frazier's a more established regular than uh, Nunez. So I need a one-year deal worth single digits seems low, at least based on my expectations a few months ago. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it, it is kind of surprising that a team like the Yankees didn't come in here and try and surpass that offer if if you know if they had interest and it was rumored that they did because last week when we were on the podcast together and you mentioned what a good fit he would be with the Yankees I just looked at that lineup and I was like damn Matt is absolutely right like this guy's a perfect fit for the Yankees and I would be devastated if he went there because I like the guy so much but it seemed like why not for them they have so few holes at this point why not do that um I don't know what the Yankees payroll is right now I know that they are staying under the luxury tax by all means this year not that Nunez is going to be so expensive that they wouldn't be able to work around it but that might play a role I think also the Red Sox have more familiarity with the knee injury than anyone else Mm -hmm. because it happened while he was on their payroll and their doctors already kind of know the deal so that might play a factor into it too. It's just going to be nice not to see him in pinstripes or wearing oh, a race absolutely. shirt. Absolutely. <laughs> oh god, if he went to the Rays, Jesus Christ. Yeah, he he did seem like that Rays type of guy though that they might really like him because of uh, the skill set. But um, hey, happy to have him back with the Red Sox. But my question to you, Matt, is: Do you read anything into this? Um, do you think that this was? simply a standalone signing or do you think this was the type of move that was made because they know something else is coming i the former i think um i don't think this stops them from doing anything else i think that they are going to keep trying to play chicken with jd martinez and uh, maybe adjust their deal if they have to but i don't 
think this really moves the needle that much at all. Um, I will say I've seen people say that this hurts them from getting Martinez because of the payroll. And again, we don't know right now what the money is. But I will say that assuming the Red Sox just cut bait with the minimum salary guy before they before Nunez is factored in, they have two hundred and ten million dollars on the books, which leaves them twenty seven million dollars for Nunez plus Martinez to stay under that two thirty seven mark. Not that I think they have to stay under that mark, but just if they want to. And it's cutting it a little bit tight, but it's not impossible. Yeah, especially considering they can make deals at some point during the year if they want to. Yeah. And also, um, they can backload that contract with, with J.D. Martinez. If they want to make well, the money shorter up front, I'm sure that they'd be able to make it sweet enough on the back end. No. The luxury tax is uh, based on average annual oh, value, so yeah, so that wouldn't work. They do that because of that. Ah. So teams can't mess around like that. Well, there goes my plan. Yeah, uh, but I mean, still, if they go over, I mean, I've said this a few times on this podcast. I won't go into it too much again, but I really don't think going over the 237 mark and moving back 10 spots in the draft in 2019 is that big a deal because J.D. Martinez is the kind of guy that can put them over the top. And they're in a market right now where they're the only team willing to go over the luxury tax. They're in a huge, massively tight division race. The marginal value of a win right now for them is so much bigger than most other teams in baseball. I mean, just get it done. Yeah, I'm with you. Pump this thing up to 260 if you have to. Make it work. Yeah, I mean, if they, they, sh- I, I wouldn't make a habit out of going over this 237 mark, but I don't think they're gonna have to go so high on Martinez that they won't be able to get back under that mark next year. Because if Martinez is here, Ramirez's uh, Hanley Ramirez's option is not gonna vest, and that money comes off the books next year. Right. Um, there's other Drew Pomerantz coming off the books probably. Craig Kimbrough might be coming off the books. I mean, they can go over it for a year and be fine. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that uh, it's a no-brainer for this year, especially considering the guys they have locked up for 2018. So uh, I think the team should be all in, and I would expect them to be this year. So uh, anything else on these signings before we get to a couple of listener questions? Um. No, not really. I think we covered everything for now. All right. So we got a couple questions tonight. Uh, one is from Justin Gonzalez, who asks us, who will be a more impact player this year, Carson Smith or Rafael Devers? We just heard a pretty positive health report for uh, Carson Smith, but uh, yeah. I know Devers is your guy. Yeah, this is a wild question. <laughs> I love Carson Smith, but I mean, come on. Yeah, no. It's Devers. De- Devers could hit 35 bombs this year uh, if everything goes perfect for him. So uh, he's definitely going to be the more important guy. But I think Carson Smith could be a huge X factor. I, I don't want to discount his presence. Yeah, I think Smith is, I mean, even beyond this year, I think he's this year is pretty huge for their future. If he shows that he's the guy he was with Seattle, they're going to be a lot more comfortable moving on from Kimbrough. Um, not that 
I think that they ne- necessarily should. But um, if his market gets out of control next winter and they see that Carson Smith is an elite arm again, then they don't really have to overpay for a closer, which is a nice little bonus. Yeah, it would be nice to not spend a million dollars on uh, relievers for once. Uh, well, I love Kirk, Craig Kimball. I'd like him around forever. but You do. You absolutely do. Um, my favorite question maybe that we have gotten um, since we've been taking questions is this next one from Trevor Shackles. And he says, is Andrew Kashner the most Baltimore Orioles signing ever? I'd love to hear a rotation consisting of the most Orioles pitchers you can think of. So um, you actually tweeted that out, that Andrew Kashner I, Yeah, was like the... 10 minutes before he asked that question, Kashner is easily the most Orioles pitcher of all time. I totally agree with you. So I want to play a game right now where we list guys. We're going to go back and forth. So you'll name one, I'll name one, and we'll get to like – we'll do a six-man rotation because I think that's kind of fun um, to see guys that haven't played for the Orioles before – Oh, they haven't played for the Orioles. Yeah, you can't be throwing out Wade Miley They have a lot of their guys. A lot of their pitchers are extremely Orioles pitchers. Oh, totally. I've looked through uh, some possible names, and a lot of them have already pitched for the Orioles. But okay, I have some names. All right. Who do you got first? Uh, Mike Pelfrey. He hasn't pitched for them, right? No, I don't think so. He's a Twins guy for a a long period of time, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so he doesn't strike anybody out, really. Um, yeah, I like that pick. Why? Thanks. What was the most Pelfrey thing, or uh, most uh, Orioles thing about Pelfrey to you? Uh, so, I did. I put together a little list very quickly. I pretty much just looked for guys who have zero command, <laughs> and Pelfrey walks a lot of guys and gives up a lot of home runs. So, the no no strikeouts is a nice little bonus, but. Orioles pitchers can strike guys out. You got Ubaldo Jimenez can get strikeouts here and there. Yes. Yeah, I think he might be the most Orioles pitcher. He's the guy I think of. Ubaldo? Just because he's so all over the place. I always think of Wade Miley. I don't know why. Like, just Wade Miley's face is always what I picture in an Orioles (laughs) uniform. He's Uh, a brewer now. Yeah, it's so weird. Um, All right, my pick is going to be... I'm actually going to go with a former twin, too. Uh, no, former Brave and twin for a day. Jamie Gun- uh, Jamie Garcia. Jaime. Jaime. Jaime Garcia. Yes, I butcher names all the time. <laughs> Jaime Garcia. Um, you know, just kind of injured a bunch. Uh, gets in there, throws decent stuff every once in a while, but just not a very good pitcher. I kind of like Jaime Garcia. Mm, I don't know why. That's a he signed with the Blue Jays today. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm seeing that right now. Wow. Yeah. This is a busy Today day. Was a, hey, yeah. For cheap deals. All right. Who you got next? Uh, Tom Kohler. Ooh, nice. Tom yeah. Kohler has terrible stuff. He's a weird guy, and he's going to hang around. He's the type of guy that's definitely going to hang around until he's like 45 years old. I, I don't that. know why, but he's just never going anywhere. All right. My next pick is Kyle Gibson. Okay. Kind of like Gibson, too. Uh, why am I naming guys that you like? I don't like this. I, I don't really know why I like Kyle Gibson, but I do. He did have a sort sort of a change to his repertoire at the end of the year, and some people are getting excited about that. But by and large, Gibson has been a disappointing innings eater. You know what it is? He was pretty good in 2015, 
Mm. That was like, for some reason, that was the year that I really followed the league as a whole. Mm. And so now, if you were good in 2015, I'm going to think you're good forever. <laughs> Pretty much. Nice. That's where we're at. Let's do two more before we uh, close out the show. Who's your next pick? All right. I'm going to go with uh, modern day James Shields. Not good James Shields, but the James Shields of like the last couple years. Okay. I like that. I like that. A guy who's going to get in there, throw a lot of innings, not be very impressive. Be, throw, give you a net negative with all those innings. Okay. I like that. Um, my last and final choice is going to be a Rockies starter, uh, Kyle Freeland. I hope uh, you don't like him. I uh, have zero opinion. I thought you were going to say Jorge De La Rosa, but I have zero opinion on Kyle Freeland. I almost went Chad Bettis, but I do like Chad Bettis at sometimes, so I, no, had, to, I had to yeah. go with Kyle Freeland. Plus, Chad Bettis is a recent cancer survivor, so we'll give him a break. Yes, yes, Absolutely. Uh, but well done, Trevor. That was a great question. I, uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy projecting the next wave of uh, Orioles pitchers, and I would bet that we actually got like at least three of the next pitchers that end up on that team. Yeah, any anytime I can slam the Orioles for a little bit, it's a good day. <laughs> Absolutely. So after months of nothing, Matt, we finally have a bunch of stuff to talk about. Um, if you enjoyed today's show with Jen on as a fabulous guest and with actual news breaking while we were recording the podcast, um, subscribe to us, um, get on Stitcher, get on, uh, iTunes, um, rate and review us. We are going to be bringing you other guests, uh, throughout the year, especially as things get going and, uh, you know, news has to continue to break because these guys need homes. So, uh, we will be with you as that happens and thank you again for listening to us. And uh, Matt, thanks for joining me. Thank you.